0: California. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to the 47th Banished to the Pen podcast. I am not your regular host, Ryan Sullivan, the Baron of all baseball podcasts. That's trademarked. Uh, but I am Brandon Lee, an editor and contributor to the website Banished to the Pen, which is a group baseball blog for fans of the Baseball Prospectus podcast, Effectively Wild. Joining us today are two returning guests, and uh, I'd like to welcome... Uh, From nearest to the Washington Street T-Station in Boston, it's Mike Carlucci. Hello, Mike. Hello, uh, Internet. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Ryan usually says, say hello to the Internet. Yeah. Whoops. Sorry. Well, thanks for saying hello to the Internet, Mike. Um, And then coming to us uh, from nearest to the Fremont Station on the BART, though technically it's in Newark, California, although Newark is completely uh, enclosed within Fremont, it's, it's uh, Andrew Patrick. Hello, Andrew. Say hello to the internet.
1: Hey, how's it going, internet?
0: The internet says hello. Um,
1: We're very friendly.
0: Yeah, <laughs> very friendly. Um, as uh, as we, they do uh, you know on the regular over on the Effectively Wild podcast, um, I, I want to start off with some banter. So let me start by asking you guys, do you have... Any banter? That's a clown question, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for thank you for thank you for deriding my uh, my podcast introing abilities. <laughs>
2: no, no, it's actually it's it's a banter related comment.
0: Okay, okay, that's good to know. That's good to know. <laughs> Expound, please.
2: Yes. Uh, well, the uh, the the internet has once again become the target of former grouchy major league players. Uh, Goose Gossage has uh, once again gone after the nerds for ruining the sport. Stupid nerds. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And thankfully, on the other side, Bryce Harper has come to the defense of the modern, more spirited baseball and has taken his stand to support Jose Batista.
0: You know, it's interesting because I I wouldn't necessarily think of Bryce Harper as like the uh the standard bearer for the nerds. You know? Like yeah. not that not that he is, not that he is defending the nerds here necessarily, but I wouldn't think of him as necessarily the leader to the leader of the nerds.
1: He seems like the biggest jock in possibly all of sports. <laughs> like I was I was telling some friends how like when I yeah, I feel like I grew up with a number of people that are like Bryce Harper that uh, I like, feel like they're the best and they have this overwhelming confidence. And that's what that whole ESPN piece was about. Uh, but Bryce Harper like really is the best. Um, so uh, it's so weird for me to feel like, like knowing what I do about these people, I would probably find him a, a pretty insufferable if I had to sit down and have a conversation with him. But mm-hmm. since I don't, I really like him. <laughs> if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I don't, and, you know, I don't, I, perhaps it wasn't, it wasn't proper of me to completely uh, make that connection between Bryce Harper and the nerds, because, uh, you know, Gossage, Gossage's comments were kind of twofold, right? Like, on the one hand, he's, he's, he's saying how awful the nerds are, but he's also saying how awful, like, people who play the game a certain way are, which, and, and, it's not necessarily that Bryce Harper is standing up for the nerds so much as he's standing up for playing the game in the way that people should play the game individually, right?
2: Yeah, he he's looking at it as it's 2016 and, you know, then things have changed a little bit. It's no longer acceptable to just bowl over the catcher, which Gossage thinks is, you know, just that was part of the game. And now second base sliding rules... Gossage is upset. Neither of those were instituted by the, you know, the nerds. Uh, players were seemed to be pretty much on board with protecting their teammates.
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. Harper had one little kind of, you know, tidbit in response to Gossage when he kind of... I, well, I, don't, I don't know where he said it, but he said that, uh, that, at least when it comes to the flashy stuff, that... Uh, that he says, you know, you want to teach kids to play the, right, play the game the right way. He's like, well, newsflash, kids aren't playing baseball. They're all playing football and basketball, which are games that are, uh, allow a lot more emotion. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting um, because, uh, you know, I, like I, I pay attention to youth sports a little bit. Uh, and, you know, especially in uh, areas where you can't uh, get to games very easily, youth is dying. And I don't know if it is because of the lack of flash but uh, i i do agree that kind of um, teaching kids to like you know withhold their emotion just because you know somebody might throw at your head that seems so awkward yeah it's it's
2: interesting how even in the last last like 10 years that's that's lightened up just a bit i remember when kevin Euclid was called up uh, he, maybe not in his first game but in his first couple games i think he hit a home run in toronto and the players were still kind of just sort of brushing him off. It's like, oh yeah, good, good job, kid. Just, you know, sit back down. But when Daniel Nava hit his, uh, you know, grand slam on the first pitch of his career, the dugout went nuts.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, I think it, it depends a lot on, on on different clubhouses and, you know, how different players are perceived. Um, you kind of have to toe the line in order to get respect from a lot of players. And, um there's not a whole lot of room for, uh, for you know, establishing your own identity. Um, and players' opinions are, you know, kind of not all that correlated well with reality. Like there was that poll last year about who's the most overrated player in, in the MLB, and it was like almost unanimous Bryce Harper, who probably was the best player in the MLB that year. <laughs> um, and it, it, like it seemed like the kind of the reaction of most analytical. Um, like, you know, uh, analysts, I know that's a, you know, uh, I, that's a long term. Uh, on Twitter was just kind of like not caring. It was more like in like, you know, like Bill James kind of said like well, ten years ago, we had to care about this kind of thing because Gossage was an authority. Now we don't. Um, and I kind of like that attitude of just saying like, you know what we we don't nerds don't need to prove themselves. We can just laugh at the old men and go on you know, revolutionizing the game, sort of.
0: So so in the end, it's it's Harper, good. Batista, good. Gossage, why are we listening to him? Yep. <laughs> yep, yeah, pretty much. Cool. I can roll with that. I can roll with that.
1: <laughs> uh, and Andrew, did you have a thing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I just wanted to bring up this this article that Ben wrote um I no this is that... sam this is sam uh, oh sam you're right oopsie that's sam oh yeah because ben sadly doesn't write for baseball Texas anymore <laughs> he writes for 538 um, yeah it's great yeah um uh about the the worst possible reshuffling of mlb cities and team names um <laughs> and it's just a little list and you know we can link it in the post about what you know i like i think uh people always make fun of the utah jazz for instance because utah has no jazz uh this is kind of along those lines. Uh, then I don't know why I found this so funny, but just reading it, like the Arizona Mariners. <laughs> like, well, that doesn't make any sense.
0: Right. Right. Exactly. This is like this is like if you take, if if you take the if you start a, a a new league on Out of the Park Baseball and you click Shuffle Cities and Shuffle Team Names, and this is kind of what you get, except the worst possible combinations. I yeah. I I think my per my personal favorite is uh is uh the Atlanta Yankees. Um I think that's my personal favorite.
1: Yeah, maybe they're like abolitionists.
0: Oh, maybe. I guess they could be like abolitionists. Sure. There we go. <laughs> I, I kind of like the
2: Kansas City Rockies. I I haven't been to Kansas City, but it feels like a very
0: flat place. <laughs>
1: yeah, that that John Denver's full of it <laughs>
0: actually, actually actually wait well okay so texas nationals and atlanta yankees kind of are are similar are in in a similar vein and uh i must say that i like them both for similar reasons mm-hmm.
1: Some of them are pretty funny i like uh um what was the other one i really liked here i like seattle rays Oh,
0: oh, and note that, note that Los Angeles Dodgers has not changed. Los Angeles Dodgers remains.
1: What does the dodging refer to?
0: Trolley Dodgers in oh. Brooklyn. Oh,
1: that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. I encourage everyone to go read this article. It's apparently a living document, so if you give a good suggestion like Seattle Rays, Sam will simply edit the article and make it gospel.
0: <laughs> and And so it was. And so it was uh representing our teams here uh let's see Mike's uh Mike's new team would be the Boston White Sox um you would be the Oakland Pirates in uh over over in Oakland Andrew and then in Chicago here I would be the Chicago Reds or the Chicago Red Sox
1: <laughs> That'd be pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> there, would,
0: there would be a lot of red. Be to that a letter you know the funny thing is, is that the Chicago Red Sox play in Wrigley Field and they're the National League team. Uh weird. Uh, but that's that's just sort of how it ended up.
1: Hey, at least I I just wear my yellow. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Are they the only two? Are the A's and the Pirates the only two yellow teams? Um, um I mean some teams like the Marlins have like a little yellow. I think And like the Burs have a little yellow. I think
0: they are. And I'm I'm actually also trying to think cross sports and like uh, Lakers I know have yellow. And... Well, all the
1: Pittsburgh teams are black and yellow.
0: Oh yeah, and Pitts. Oh, all the Pittsburgh. That's right. All the Pittsburgh teams are black and yellow. Oh. The
2: effermented Jazz.
0: <laughs> I guess the Jazz the Jazz do have a little uh, a little strip of of yellow in there, uh, in their jerseys.
2: Mm-hmm. I think the Rays. Uh... The, the rays kind of created uh, 1970s throwback uniforms i think they are are like blue and yellow
1: they just made them up
2: yeah because they couldn't do throwback <laughs> days so they they created a throwback for the year of whatever team they were playing at the time that was doing their throwback jersey
1: oh you're so right so now right. they have
2: a now they have a rays 1970s throwback
1: <laughs>
0: wow that's funny I
1: never huh. seen these. I
2: don't know how I missed these. These are pretty cool, though. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's a great uniform.
0: Yeah, this it's... this is a very good uniform. I approve. I approve. All right. All right. Uh, in in moving on to slightly current events, uh, if we can call this uh, an event, uh, the we are currently into the sweep sixteen of the twenty sixteen Wild Four tournament. Um, and uh, voting is now open, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, voting is open for, uh, for the round of 16. And uh, if you're listening to this uh, after, let's see, uh, after Sunday night, then uh, voting will shortly be open for the round of 8. Um, but uh, do you guys, uh, looking at these matchups here, I'll run them down real quick, uh, do you see any upsets here? Uh, we have uh, Ned Garver, the number one seed, versus number four seed, Lindbergh Burrito Method. Uh, number two seed, Drafts of Everything, versus number six seed, Squeaky Laugh. Uh, number one seed, Gonnie Jones, versus number five seed, Triple from the Cycle. Uh, notifications, specifically. Triple from the Cycle notifications. Uh, number two seed, Morbid Sam, versus number three seed, Smash Mouth. Number one seed, Diamondbacks Headlines, versus number five, The Ben Isn't Here, Effectively Wild theme. Uh, Number two, If Baseball Were Different, versus number three, Market Diner. Number one, Webb Albers, versus number four, Barry Bonds. And number two, Burn the Ships, versus number three, Mike Trout.
1: So I have a few that I voted that I'm not... I I don't know if they will win, but I wish they would.
0: Well, sure, because you voted for them.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The ones that I voted... uh, And this is probably my most controversial vote, was I actually voted for... Ben isn't here. Over Diamondbacks headlines. Oh, um, I don't know why I love Ben isn't here that much, and I I don't think it's going to, going to win. I'm surprised it it actually has has st- kept its sea legs this long, uh, because it was only like a two episode thing, and it was pretty long ago. We haven't had a, a Ben isn't here reference in a long time. Um, but, well,
0: it's it's because Ben is always here.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I love Ken's remix of it. I probably listened to it 20 times. The little lounge theme.
0: <laughs> I, love the, I love the remix. I love the remix.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one I'd say I put over is I put, uh, I voted for Squeaky Laugh over Drafts of Everything um, for two reasons. One, I, I tend actually to associate Drafts of Everything with other podcasts, specifically the PauseCast. Uh They make a point to always do a weird draft. Uh, and so I don't think of Everything is an exclusively effectively wild thing. And the squeaky laugh, I like nice. it because it actually makes me laugh. <laughs> and I, I don't know about you guys, but I, some, I, I like podcasts that tend to flow like a, a normal conversation. Mm-hmm. And when the people conversing laugh, I end up laughing because, I don't know, maybe I'm lonely and I feel like I, I'm having a good time with people that aren't there. But for some reason, whenever they start, you know, whenever this squeaky laugh comes out, um, you know, f- uh, for instance, in the uh, Jarrett Groob discussion a oh. while back. <laughs> which was in a draft. Which was in a draft. <laughs> I know. Uh, you know, it just makes me laugh. And it just, those are the episodes that I always, like, whenever he, he gets to the point that he's laughing, I laugh. And I think this is a great episode.
0: My, Mike, do you do you have any underdogs? I. Uh,
2: I'm a little well. I think a lot of a lot of the underdogs are are actually pretty pretty strong, but I, I I'm putting my my weight behind the market diner. Uh huh. Uh huh. Because with, with the diner going away, this is sort of its you know its retirement tour, and I think I think we all need to get behind the diner to, to give give it a send off.
1: It's the Lee Smith of this draft or
2: Yeah. I mean, because that—what uh, is it?
1: Because
2: uh, multiples of five had an early exit. So, of of the real, the real Ben, like Ben centric uh, categories left. Uh, the the burrito method doesn't stand a chance against Garver,
0: <laughs> which is too bad. Yeah. Which is too bad. That is a that is a that is a, some unfortunate seating. Like you got you got a tough bracket there, burrito method. That's rough. 'Cause I do feel like Burrito Method would have beaten either Drafts of Everything or Squeaky Laugh. But but it does not stand a chance against Garver.
1: Yeah, that was a it was a poor draw. Yeah, as if this is the World Cup, he's in the uh, the, the the group of hell.
0: You know, I I do like Market Diner as an upset possibility, um for for recency factoring in a, a little bit of a recency bias here. Um, even though I do love the, if baseball were different questions, um, but, uh, you know, I think, I think you're onto something here, uh, uh, Andrew about, uh, uh, about the effectively wild theme. And I think in part because of something that you mentioned, uh, before we started recording that, uh, that Diamondbacks headlines, uh, might be losing some, uh, some steam within, uh, within the Effectively Wild group. What do you think?
1: Uh, I think so. I, you know, there are occasional references to Nora Morse, um, but, you know, like it actually didn't have as big of a, you know, it, it went up against an eight seed last last round in tree in the infield. Um, and I like tree in the infield, but I kind of lump it in into the greater category of if baseball were different. So it probably should have performed a lot better. So it's looking pretty vulnerable, and unless Nora Morse, her himself, starts writing some some headlines soon, I think it could possibly lose some steam. Um, I think I think this is a a team that that the 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 BCS kind of put a little too highly. So.
0: Yeah. Well, I I mean the thing about I mean okay. So it, I think it's okay being the number one because it's defending champ, right? Like, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's, a, it's coming back. Nora Morris is coming back to defend their crown, right? And, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, it seems to come back in the form of, uh, you know, group member variations on the theme, right? Rather, mm-hmm. than, rather than new instances of the theme recurring.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's, th- we're not going to have any more, you know, people just drop a Venomous Snakes reference every couple weeks, or, you know, uh, baseball player plays baseball or something along those lines, but uh, you know, I think it's time has, has kind of come and gone. Um,
0: I, I am I am a little worried for personal favorite Morbid Sam uh, going up against Smash Mouth. Um, I think I, I would say that I, I would actually say that uh morbid sam would have a better chance if uh if Smashmouth did not recently follow ben on twitter um <laughs> i i think the you know bringing smash Mouth back into the collective consciousness of the voting public like is something that uh does not bode well maybe for morbid sam
1: yeah don't forget that, that they also offered to pay tim Winscombe's salary that's right that's right and you
0: know what they could use they could use the prize money from wild four i guess (laughs) (laughs) just kidding there's no prize money for winning wild four so don't so i I hope i didn't get i hope i didn't unintentionally raise the hopes of all the members of smash mouth
1: oh yeah ryan webb is kicking himself now
0: (laughs) yeah i wonder if uh i wonder if they can close it out this year
1: yeah, I think the the interview helped a lot. Um, uh, I really think that, that this is the year Ryan. I agree with Ben that, that this is the year Ryan Webb gets a save. Um, because Tampa, right? Because Tampa. Do you uh,
0: so. do you think uh, do you think do you think either of our our heroes are going to get a save this year, uh, Mike? Yeah, uh, I mean,
2: with with Jake McGee gone and uh, you know Box Boxberger not. You know an elite relief option yeah it 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 looks like this is gonna be this is gonna be the time someone will be hurt or too many guys will have worked, and it's just gonna fall into Ryan Webb's
0: lap. The question is, does he get a blown save before he gets a save whoa that would be that, that would be like some unfortunate turn of events <laughs> like <laughs> it fi- like the opportunity finally is there. And then it's a blown save. Like, that would, that, I, I don't know how I'd feel about that. That would be maybe the ultimate tragedy.
1: That would be rough.
0: Like, more, more than never getting a save opportunity, right? Because, I mean, if you never get a save opportunity, then you just never get a save opportunity, right? But if you get your one and you blow it, like, that's. He just, he just rick and heals
1: it all of a sudden. Oh, God. Oh, God. No, I don't want
0: to, I don't want to think about them. I don't want to think about that happening to oh. to them. <laughs> that would just be bad. And and uh for for Webb, I I I also think it's a year for Webb. Uh and then for Albers, uh you know, I think I think there there is a strand of universe where the White Sox have a really bad first half and then sell off some pieces including David Robertson and uh then Albers Albers could get a could get a september opportunity i think but uh who knows anything can happen baseball is weird sometimes
1: yeah i bet albers finish it i bet albers actually has a strong games finish without a savior the white Sox bullpen is actually pretty deep and he doesn't and what albers does not have the best projection mm. so, right. i think albers does have a major contract so he'll be up
0: yeah yeah he'll be up yeah. he'll be up all right all right cool um I want to I want to move on to another thing that we have going on on the website right now, which is our team preview series, um, and uh, both of both of you guys are actually tackling, uh, and or both of you are writing the previews for uh, California teams. Uh, Andrew, you are doing the uh, the A's and the Giants, and Mike, you are doing the Los Angeles dodgers of los angeles and the los angeles angels of anaheim uh and right now the uh the a's preview is up on Banish the pen and as well as the angels preview uh with the giants and dodgers still yet to come uh i want to throw it over to you mike uh what what should we know about the angels for 2016 well, they've got
2: this guy who's pretty good named Mike Trout, oh, oh, and
0: him. yeah, huh, yeah, okay, Tell me more. he's something of a sleeper, uh, but <laughs> after that, wait, he's a sleeper, so wait, do you think do you think he's going to beat burn the ships? Ooh, uh yeah I,
2: I think I think that is probably the only poll in existence where Mike Trout is the sleeper. <laughs>
0: Well, tell, mm. tell me more about Mike Trout. Tell me more about Mike Trout. Oh, there's punctuations. Yeah, the I,
1: I just I, I just want to jump in real quick. I find that the more baseball writing I do, every time I try some niche study where I like do something, and I was like, oh, let's see who the leader is in this random category, you know, or you know, like most pitches seen per plate appearances when correlated to also hitting first pitch as well. You know, I, I wrote an article about that. And then, like, you'll get a list, and almost always the top of whatever you're looking up is Mike Trout. <laughs> you just sort of have to discard, like, ah, he's not good at this, he's just good at everything.
2: I'm on pace to have the blackest uh, baseball reference page. The most yeah. black
0: ink. Yeah. So, so out, outside of Trout, um, what, what are we looking at in, in Anaheim this year? I'm actually going to go to opening day in Anaheim, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, but what what should I be looking for in the field outside of Mike Trout and the Cubs?
2: Oh, the Cubs are opening in
0: Anaheim? Yeah.
1: Oh. I expect to be booed by other fans. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, the Angels don't have a thing against the Cubs, right?
1: They hate it's everybody.
2: Really... Oh.
0: It's especially people who can't afford the really good tickets.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: well, it's it's not a
0: it's not a good year if you were if you were
2: listening to the, uh, the effectively wild podcast. The Angels came up really really early for a team that has been very competitive for over a decade.
0: And cool they were as, yeah they they were in the they were in the playoff hunt until the last week the weekend right like they had there was still a way for them to get the wild card as of the last Saturday.
2: Yeah, they were, they were, they were good in 2015. And it's, they were awesome in September. And it's just, but look, looking at their, looking at their uh, roster heading into another season, uh, like, uh, you know, Poulos was supposed to be their, their sec. Well, I mean, he was supposed to be their first guy, but then Trout emerged and became Trout. Uh, but he's a, kind of kind of just turned into the like a slugger who has a low OBP. Uh, Howie Kendrick is was was their kind of rock at second base, and now he's gone. Uh, but they got you know they they did get Andrew Heaney who helps out at the rotation. Jared Weaver was reported this week uh, topping out at. I think 80, 81 miles an hour. Oh God! I,
1: I
0: saw that. I saw
2: that. Sitting can't
1: at Jamie Moyer territory. Sitting at like seventy-eight or seventy-nine. I
2: mean, that's that's
1: bad, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, regular pitchers just haven't survived with that. And his his comment was that he's waiting. Like he wakes up every day and heads to the park and hopes this is the day it clicks.
0: That's that's mm-hmm. kind of sad. <laughs> like that's sad to hear a major leaguer say that <laughs> like like okay, like it's one thing for a major leaguer to say that when the when it's when you're like a little off right when your timing is just slightly off and you're you're millimeters away from turning those uh from turning those pop ups into home runs right but but if you're if you're a starting pitcher in major league baseball and you're sitting at eighty miles an hour and you don't have a knuckleball or something like that's bad right
2: yeah I mean, I mean there was there was panic a couple of years ago when he came into spring and he, he could only hit
0: 89 and you
2: know he got through it and then he was only throwing 85 86 and he kind of got through it now it's that's it's 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 hard to see a guy who was who was so good and is as far as we know like no there's no injuries reported it's not doesn't seem to be a physical I mean obviously it must be a physical thing but it's it's not related to some sort of uh, specific specific ailment and he's he's darn like Wakefield
1: yeah he he really he really just kind of threw it in there last year you know his walk rate was you know a career low but so were his strikeout right I think he's just really trying to you know, Bartolo Colon and hope to get guys to swing over stuff. Yeah. And,
2: and that's, I guess that's the the sign of hope is he was, you know, he, he he wasn't terrible. He was still, he was still all right. Uh, The metrics aren't, aren't showing him, you know, fooling, fooling guys uh, as much, but, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe he's going to be the first. What? I mean, who, who's prepared to see a, a seventy-eight mile per hour fastball?
0: <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe not the first time through the order, but if you're still there for the second man, it's it's not going to look it's not going to be good. Um, Mike, what? Uh, two questions. Two questions. Uh, one is, uh, what's your win total? For the Angels next season, and the second one is, uh, and and this is this is a weird one, but there's you know there's there's new management, and uh, he's been around for a long time, so who knows? But uh, is Mike Sosha still the Angels manager opening day twenty seventeen? Okay, pre 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 Weaver.
2: I was still feeling a little good. I had him at eighty-three wins. Uh, hearing that Pulhos's foot is doing better than expected, I think that cancels out my uh, my Weaver Weaver worries. So I, I think they can hold there. That's uh, that still feels good to me. So, I don't know. I think if they can, if they can, if the front office can convince Artie Moreno that he's no longer the guy, then, yeah, the, the Angels struggle. I, th- I think this is this is finally it. But Marino keeps believing in him. They'll uh, probably have another GM in 2017 instead.
0: <laughs> Andrew, what do you think? So, Sosha still manager opening day
1: 2017? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it just seems like, I don't know why, you know, they... He just seems immune to to at least owner criticism. It seems like the owner ownership has his back a lot, um, and I think it's easy to see a world also when if this team goes bad, um, you can blame it on poor roster construction rather than the manager. Because I mean, like, uh, you, like you know, this this infield could be pretty, you know, like if you if Pujols goes down with an injury, which is quite likely, um, you know, then you have like. Crone, Gia and obviously Andrelton Simmons is great, but not much with the bat. Um, and, but I, and I, I can just see like this team underperforming and Sosha mostly getting off unscathed.
0: True, 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 true. All right, well let's let's shift over to the uh, to the Oakland A's. These are your this is your team, Andrew. Uh, what what do you foresee for the A's in twenty sixteen?
1: Yeah. So the A's are uh, you know, like what I did in my preview was I kind of projected two realities. One where the A's are the 2015 A's and they've, they've severely underperformed and they're looking to sell off everything they can. Or they're the 2012 A's who nobody expects to do well and everything clicks and they're amazing. Um, so, and I don't see a whole lot of, honestly, like, you know, a whole lot of middle ground. Um, so they obviously, they the the big story with the A's is they made a ton of additions to the bullpen, which was the biggest uh, item of concern. They added uh, Liam Hendricks, Ryan Madsen, John Axford, Mark Ravchinsky. Uh Hopefully, they'll have a, a full year of Doolittle. Um, and so that was that's the biggest uh, that's the biggest story. So that should that plus them just not rolling over and dying in one-run games uh, should help them trend towards 500. Um, but then they also did a lot of uh, kind of very easy moves. Like, they signed Rich Hill, who could be awesome, but could be really bad. They kept the, you know, they kept their cycle of not having a good first baseman uh, by, you know, getting rid of Ike Davis and getting Yonder Alonzo. They, they, got, they got Jed Lowry again, so... Uh, this could be a team, yeah, like I said, where everything clicks and it's and, and, and they're a, a cool Cinderella story, uh, but they could also just be this team where they're kind of still trotting out a lot of fringy platoons uh, and hoping that, waiting for someone to sort of emerge from their strong crop of four or five starters with potential, like Kendall Graveman and Jesse Hahn and Chris Bassett, they're kind of waiting for one of them to emerge and they never do. And then suddenly it's where the deadline, and it's like, who's going to get Sonny Gray?
0: What uh, you you mentioned him briefly, but as as a Cubs fan, I have some interest here. What do you what do you see from Rich Hill in in twenty sixteen?
1: You know, I you know, I would lo- I would love to say that you know I buy into it. Po- like- That's
0: podcast favorite, Rich Hill.
1: <laughs> He's he, it would be obviously awesome if he was. Um, if he was really great, uh, I'm guessing he won't be. Um, he's uh, a lot older than you think. He's he's 36 this year, um, so I'm guessing that if he goes out and throws like he did, um, then at some point he I might I m- might either get hurt or struggle a bit. And um, honestly, I I bet he does not finish the year in the rotation. Um, he's either in the pen or hurt or just kind of shifted out uh, as the year goes on, or even traded. Um, But I just don't see a a reality where, like, we're going to the playoffs and, like, Rich Hill is our number two starter, and it's great. I I just think that he, if he's good, because he's on a one-year deal, if he's good, he'll probably be traded because that's what the A's do. Uh, Not to further the meme, but this would be a good trade candidate if he's good. Um, The A's have a ton of starting pitching depth and young guys that need innings. Um, so he'll, yeah, like I said, if he's good, he'll probably get traded for uh, prospects because this isn't a team that's trying to really contend too much in 2016. Um, but I think it's also likely that he's either, you know, it was a fluke or he's hurt, and uh, he just kind of gets shifted out as the year goes on uh, in favor of somebody younger.
0: True, true. And then what? Uh, what's your win total for the A's?
1: Uh, I, I put them at 75 in the, uh, in the preview, uh, because even though I already said they're probably either going to be really bad or or really good, um, I, I think they're, the, the, the West is probably going to be pretty strong, uh, with the Astros and the Rangers and possibly the Mariners, um, and there's just a lot of question marks on this roster, Uh, like if Stephen Vogt can keep it up or if Billy Burns can make the next step Uh, and I just it would need so many things to click for them to be uh, to make the playoffs that I don't think it's going to happen I think uh, they'll probably uh, do better than last year but be sellers of the trade deadline
0: true 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 and then you've uh, your other team coming up this week is the Giants do you have a a quick view of of, uh, what's coming up there
1: yeah, sure. So the the if if anybody is listening and hasn't picked up the baseball perspectives annual, you should. The Giants preview uh, essay was very good. It kind of talked about how the Giants find themselves in a situation where they, you know, are just uh, spitting out hitters like crazy, like Panic and and Duffy, and they obviously already made Crawford and Posey and Belt, um, so that put them in a situation where they can try to make some big buys and they did like Cueto and samarja and and span um so even more so than the than the a's that i think the giants are a team that uh could be extremely good if you know if all of those guys are like 20 are like their 2014 versions then they have three aces and you know and if all the hitters are what they were in 2015 then they have the best offense in the league and they could you know blow everybody away and and win you know uh 95 plus games uh, but then again, you know, Cueto could be like post-trade line, post-trade deadline Cueto, and Samarja could be the guy that Don Cooper ruined, and uh, you know the Duffy and Panic could, you know, regress back to what they probably should be, and Hunter Pence could could stay hurt. There's all these things that could happen, um, and then they're you know a middling 500 team that doesn't quite get there. Um, so uh, I'm guessing they're probably. Going to be a good team. They'll be over five hundred, um, but you know the Dodgers are really good. The Diamondbacks are better than they were last year. The NL Central is so strong that it's going to be hard to see them getting a wild card. So I'm guessing above five hundred, but not playoffs for them.
0: But also, it's an even numbered year.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, and that's that's where the like, you know, they could. Like in 2014, you know, they could kind of oops their way into the playoffs, and Grant Brisby writes articles about how bad they are, and yet it's really cool that they're winning.
0: And, uh, and Mike, you've got you've got the Dodgers coming up. Do you have a do you have a quickie preview of uh, of the Dodgers?
2: Yeah, uh, last year, uh, you know, Dodgers went in. They were they were the team to beat. By the end of the year, the Cubs are the team to beat coda has got the Dodgers on top uh, this year, but you know it, it's uh, it's 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 tricky. They they lost they lost that Grinky, and they don't really have a star position player. They've got Kershaw. They have a lot of injuries and question marks in the in the rotation. It seems like they have they have the most they have a lot of pieces that add up to a great total but it'd be really interesting it, uh to see how it how it plays out it's kind of like it it really is as though uh in andrew friedman uh, has created the, the big budget a's or a's right the big budget raise hey,
1: Yeah, they got farhand zaidi like they're not too far from the A. yeah i forgot about that
0: all right cool cool all right um i want to play i want to play a game uh do do y'all want to play a game yes Yes. all right cool (laughs) uh uh, 10 years ago the baseball prospectus annual 2006 edition came out uh so we are going to play a few rounds of the baseball prospectus uh, player comment guessing game, uh, featuring the featuring the 2006 edition. Uh, I explained the rules to to Andrew and Mike uh, earlier, but I will I will read the comment, I'll read the player comment, and they will guess the player. Uh, it is a player. Uh, I'm going to stick to players who have uh, who are either active in 2016 or who are still uh famous and or slightly well known
1: all right if i go if i go one of these i'll be happy i'm much better at the 2016 version i actually think 2007 was the first year i bought the annual all right
0: well let's uh let's let's give this a shot here um all right the best teenage hitter in this team's uniform since clint Hurdle. This player's numbers are not a park illusion. He actually hit better on the road than at high desert. Defensively, this player may one day owe more career earnings to the invention of the designated hitter slot than any other player. His fielding percentage at third base last season was 842, so he moved to left field at midseason. One scout said he was the worst defensive outfielder he'd ever seen. This team has enough players at the wrong end of the defensive spectrum already, but this player is the guy you move everyone else to accommodate. In a different organization, he'd be a frontrunner for Rookie of the Year honors in 2007. But here, he'll probably be in the starting lineup by May.
1: Can you say the Clint Hurdle line again?
0: <laughs> the best teenage hitter in this team's uniform since Clint Hurdle.
1: Oh, okay. I thought that that was a Rockies giveaway, but never mind.
0: Oh. <laughs> this player's position is listed as hitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. And he is active.
1: But the, the teenage is a is a i is, is I feel like it should be a giveaway. I have an idea, but I don't think he was a teenager when he came up. Um Yeah. Um I'll go with it anyway. No, that's not right. Never mind. I know it's not right because this rookie year was two thousand seven. I was going to say Ryan Braun, but it's not Ryan Braun because he didn't move to left field until two thousand eight. Um, I think active DHs started at third base and are no longer relevant there.
2: I guess we we don't know he's an active DH, right?
0: Well, he is. Well, I... he is active. Yes, we know he's active. Okay.
2: Oh. Mm. I don't think he, I don't think he came up this long ago, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go with Alex Gordon.
1: Oh. Hmm. Mm.
2: But it, the rest of the description doesn't sound right, but he moved from third to left field. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, and he's I'm still sorry. active. And he was pretty bad at third, so Um, I can't think of anyone else. Uh, I'll say Ryan Braun, even though I know that's not right.
0: It is Billy Butler.
1: He was a third (laughs) baseman. Well, and he was in the outfield. Well,
0: look. Well, look. Third base is in scare quotes because he had the 842 fielding percentage at
1: third base. (laughs) Wow, at eight forty-two, like the, the man makes an error like one out of six tries. <laughs> wow, I uh, I can imagine that. I, I think, uh, like, I'm trying to think back of in like my fantasy years back then, and like seeing Billy Butler with third base eligibility and being like, yeah, this guy's my man.
2: <laughs>
0: that would
1: that would be pretty good.
0: <laughs> All right, next up. As I flip through my pages here...
1: That's rough. You're the team, right?
0: Yeah.
1: I I didn't even imagine
2: that Billy Butler played either of those positions.
0: (laughs) Okay, next up. The team's first pick in the 2004 draft, this player sped through four levels to get to the doorstop of the major leagues. He played shortstop at this university, but the team moved him to second base last year, pairing him with this other top prospect. His only above-average tool is his bat, but he continues to impress with it. His hitting slowed down a bit at AAA when he was hit by a pitch in the left wrist. This player was due to compete for the second base job before the acquisition of this journeyman infielder. He might see time back at shortstop, but most likely will spend the full year at AAA.
1: 2006? Mm, yeah. Let's say Dustin
2: Pedroia. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to also say Dustin Pedroia.
0: <laughs> it, it is Dustin Pedroia, yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: Tony Graffanino.
0: Oh, no, not Graffanino. Mark Loretta. It is, it is indeed Mark Loretta. He was due to compete for the second base job before the Mark Loretta acquisition.
1: Oh. <laughs> uh, that, I think after the, a couple years, he he was a Woodland, California native and got and got some bad press for trash-talking Woodland, California uh, <laughs> in the media. And they, they don't have a whole lot going for them, so it was a particularly bad, bad beat.
0: Okay. All right. This player is not active, but he was a famous player when he was active. That's, and that's it. it. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the... King Griffey Jr. <laughs> position position is listed as ex-famous outfielder. Awesome. <laughs> this team's games were the lengthiest in the majors last year. If this player is really a bench player next year, they'll get shorter and more compelling. Nothing makes for less entertaining viewing than this player taking a regional walking tour between pitches. <laughs> To this player, hitting requires the inner stillness of a Buddhist monk and a shark's need for motion. Somehow, he satisfies these things by meandering like an ant, (laughs) following a trail to a half-eaten candy bar. When this player goes walkabout, even the team owner changes the channel. This team doesn't really need a utility outfielder who can't throw across a phone booth, but sentimentality won out the day... One out the day arbitration offers were due. He was an all-time great player for this team, but that day is done.
1: I was going to say Nomar, but he's not an outfielder. And I keep thinking Red Sox because of the longest uh, length, but I don't think that was necessarily the case in 2006.
2: Longest, Longest games... We had slow games that would have been that would have retired before two thousand six.
0: And this guy,
1: you well, said he's not active. Right? Not
0: active today. Not active today. Well, he this player retired after two thousand six. Uh, uh
1: Okay, I have a guess, but it's probably not right. I'll say Gary Sheffield. I'm gonna. St- What was the part about
0: him meandering? Like an like an ant? Yeah, towards a half eaten candy bar. Towards a half eaten?
2: And they, they played in the longest game. And he was an outfielder.
0: Yes. X famous. X Ex- two thousands.
2: I can't believe their games were long because he was in the national league. And I I feel like it's gotta be a gotta be a Yankee. Or some someone from two thousand
0: Okay, I'm I'm, I'm gonna say Larry Walker. It's Bernie Williams.
1: Ah, oh. oh. jeez. All time greats. I was thinking like Hall of Famer.
0: <laughs> it's that's what it says here. He was an all time great Yankee, but that day is done. Ah. Oh.
1: I mean, like it's not. I mean, like I'm not. I'm not mad at you, but it's not like he makes the Yankees like all time outfield or something. <laughs>
2: Well they retired his number, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> but you're right. I guess the sentimentality is, is the key for his mean, and he was good, don't get me wrong. Like I would have loved to have Bernie Williams' career. But like the Yankees, for goodness sakes. <laughs> Core four? I guess that's
2: that carries the day. Give
0: me another, Give me another
1: one. one. Alright. Uh, <laughs> hit me. <laughs> um Okay. Here's one. As an aside, this is, like, I recently picked up Street Fighter Five, and I get like this when I play, where, like, I lose a couple matches, and I'm like, I can't go out on a down mode. <laughs> All
0: right. This pitcher was probably overrated for some period of time on the basis of a well-cultivated public image and an ERA that was a little ahead of his peripherals, but he's a very valuable pitcher. He helped his cause by adding a two-seamer towards the middle of the 2004 season, a pitch that doesn't overwhelm anyone but allows him to generate a few extra double plays, something that has been a problem in the past. For, some of, for, some better con, for a better sense, sense of context, that 30.8 Vorp protect, projects him to, be, to rate as the 32nd best pitcher in the majors next year, so he's just on the fringe of being a plus number two and a true number one.
1: Remember when we used Vorp?
0: those were the days
1: (laughs) oh man I only think of uh, Fire Joe Morgan when I hear Warp now (laughs) hmm okay so number two slash number one starter who added a two seamer and is fly ball prone
2: has a well or had a well crafted image yeah
1: Yeah. (laughs) John (laughs) yeah Um. These are tough. Like I can't even do like the roster scan because I have to like roster scan from ten years ago. <laughs> right. So who Who
2: was breaking out as a pitcher in two thousand four?
1: In two thousand five.
2: Yeah.
0: Or two. Well, this yeah. This who player. Broke out in this this player had a few years under his belt at this time.
1: Yeah.
0: So he has. Uh. So you know how in the prospectus they give. Uh, the last three full seasons, he has three full seasons before the 06 projection.
1: Part of me wants every answer to be Bartolo (laughs) Colon. Because he added a uh, two-seamer. He didn't really have a well-crafted image. Uh, I'm going to say... This is probably wrong, but I'll say C.C. Sabathia. I'm going to guess Roy Oswald.
0: It's Barry Zito.
1: Man.
0: Barry
1: Zito. He had a well crafted image back then. I didn't realize. I mean, is is this the year he won the Cy Young? It could be. Oh, uh, I thought that was two thousand two.
0: Oh no, it was after
1: that, right? Really? He it could be. Barry Zito's been around forever. He won a Cy Young in two thousand two. Oh wow! Really? Yeah, we did. Long ago? He, Jesus. he did go on to. Make the All Star team in 2006, despite a FIP of 4.89. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, that 2006 was statistically a like, by FIP his worst year.
0: Jesus. All right. Cool. All right, we got two more
1: here. All right, I'm gonna get one of these. It's such a weird line. I'm sorry. I'm gonna keep going while you're looking. zito that year in 2006, 16 and 10. Uh, led the league in game starts in batter's face, which is a very Barry thing. thing. Uh, but posted his worst fib. Uh, his worst, uh, at, to that point, strikeout per walk. Um, uh, his work, you know, a very bad home run per nine rate. Um, uh, yeah, but still made the All-Star team because the A's were good that year. That was the year they had Frank Thomas.
2: So when did he join the Giants? I thought that was the first year, year that he was really Oh
1: so you gotta remember like two thousand six we didn't really know what FIP was, we just saw like man sixteen and ten. <laughs> <laughs> and he you know, he's a former Cy Young winner.
2: Getting praise from Goose
0: Gossage. <laughs>
1: yeah, gamer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Alright. This player uh, is this player is hopefully active in twenty sixteen. Perhaps aided by Von Joshua, his hitting coach at double A This player shortened his stroke as a pro, giving him tremendous plate discipline and power to all fields. Joshua compares the player's stroke and power on contact to one of his past disciples, Maglio Ordonez. This player also has the speed to become a quality glove in either corner outfield, in either outfield corner, but with the signing of this player, he'll wind up in left. This player should be the team's best hitting outfielder, but a slow start could give this journeyman reserve more at-bats than would be good for the team's immediate or long-term future. One of the few real carrot tops in baseball, and there are never enough of those to go around.
1: Uh, I... <laughs> carrot top. Okay. So oh. I think this is... Okay, I'll, I'll let you go. Uh, it, it... Is it Bobby Kelty? That's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh come on guys. It is Matt Merton. Oh. It is Matt Merton. We were talking about him in the in the pre-show. Um, Bobby
1: Kilty could could fill that description. I bet if you read his, it's it's copy paste. Okay. Let's see here.
0: Hold on a second. Oh poor Matt Merton. Bobby Kilty, page
1: three thirty five. <laughs> and he looks like Carrot Top. The man like <laughs>
2: Apparently the only thing we know about Bobby Kelty is he has red
0: hair. <laughs> Kelty is emblematic of a certain type of player who might fare well if evaluated on a production per dollar basis, but it doesn't really help you win championships if he's in the field for more than half a year at a time on the bright side, he's developed a significant preference for left-handed pitching and freeing him up to be J- Dan Johnson's platoon partner is one of the more underrated benefits of the Milton Bradley trade.
1: Ah, see, so he, so the acquisition of Milton Bradley is also a factor in his.
0: So. Well, actually, uh, for the, for the Cubs, the the factor was the acquisition of Jacques Jones. <laughs> <Gosh>. Jacques
1: Jones.
0: <laughs> oh, jeez. All right, all right, last one, last one. All right.
1: All right, stop thinking about Jacques Jones.
0: <laughs> all right, I'm gonna find a good one here.
2: I need this. I, th- I think you're up one to nothing.
1: No, well, we, we, we both got... I mean, well, it depends. Oh, we got Padroia. Yeah, Yeah, we both got Padroia.
0: Since two, th- this player is not active in uh, 2016, I don't believe. Hold on. I want to double-check this.
1: Wait, did you give the hopefully we'll be active... Mark to Matt Merton. <laughs>
0: yeah. I know. He's a spring training invitee for the Cubs.
1: I feel like he's like 40.
2: Where are the Cubs going to find room for Matt Merton?
0: If if like three players get injured, God forbid, knock on wood. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. Since 2003, this no longer active player as of 2016 has appeared to be on the cusp of greatness. The next Andrew Jones, the kind of player who hits 35 to 40 homers in a season while providing great defense in center field you know, Willie Mays. Instead, this player got impatient at the plate and added only two extra base hits over 2004, despite more than 20 extra games played and 88 more plate appearances. His ISO was basically the same across the last two seasons, but by posting his worst batting average since his 1999 cup of coffee, this player is starting to look more and more like the kind of player who has to hit 300 to be an MVP candidate. He's heading into the traditional peak seasons, and after two years of being stalled as a hitter, 2003 seems more and more like a one-time event.
1: I don't think... I'm not sure he goes back this far. Uh, But Grady Sizemore? I feel like that's probably... It's probably too old for Grady Sizemore. But... The power, or maybe uh, actually, actually, I'm gonna change my answer.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, well, I don't know. <sighs> Never mind. I was gonna say B.G. Upton, but I don't think he was active in 2003 as well either. there was a long time ago. Their big year
2: was. So their big year was 2003. Yes. 35 started off good it's no longer i'm gonna gonna go with vernon wells hey
0: you got it (laughs) Ah! oh so that makes a 1-1 or no let's
1: call 1-1 and give us a tiebreaker Alright, here's your tie here's yeah. your
0: here's your tiebreaker. All right. Active player. This player bounced back well after a lost year. In oh four, the rule five in two thousand four the rule five pick logged only ninety five plate appearances across four different organizations. Once he settled in at AA in two thousand five, the player showed adequate plate discipline and knocked an extra base hit every eight point seven at bats, although he was a bit old for the league. He has the tools to be a good third baseman, but he's inconsistent. There's some thought he might be converted to a Makoviak-style Rovers role. With this player signed to a one-year deal, this team might have brought might have bought time for this player to spend at least the first half of the season, if not longer, in AAA. Mm. You said
1: no longer active, right?
0: No, this player is active. Oh, good gravy.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> there were a Rule 5 pick in 2004?
1: Yes. Okay, but they didn't play much. Kind of bounced back and forth. I went to like four different organizations. <laughs> hmm. This is good radio. <laughs> I was just sitting here thinking. Um. Two thousand four rule
2: five pick. Or so they were picked in the two thousand three rule five draft, and they played a little bit in two thousand four. Yes. Then two thousand five, they were in the minors and bounced around. Uh, um, then two thousand, so heading into two thousand six.
1: I don't. I don't think this is right. I have two options, but I don't think they're this old. But I'm gonna go with Carlos Peña.
0: Mike, do you venture a guess? Um. Do we,
2: did you say which what position they played?
0: They're listed as third base. Listed as third base. Uh, I
2: don't. I, I think he went to freight to the team, but I'm gonna go with Dan Ugla anyway.
0: uh it is Jose Bautista.
1: I was thinking that, but he's not that old, but is he? Oh my gosh, I'm so mad at myself. <laughs> <sighs> Jose
2: Bautista. so many teams gave up on him.
1: Right. Jose Bautista's 35? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because I was thinking that, but then I thought, like, well, he's going to hit free agency next year, and he's going to be looking for a big payday. And then I think, but, man, he's going to be looking for a big payday when he's 36? Yes. (laughs) Yes, he is. I knew Ah, I'm so mad at myself.
0: All right. All right. Well, it's going to have to end at a tie. It's going right. to have to end in a tie. But great. <laughs> good job. Good effort to the both of you. All right. I'm disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So
2: clearly, we need to reread uh, BP 2006.
0: Yeah, clearly. Clearly. <laughs> Le- read more about the the third order luck of the 2005 Chicago White Sox. Um, all right. John Garland forever oh god oh god john garland oh god and stepban loiza that's uh that's that those are painful memories associated with uh John garland, not necessarily well memories of a of a less competent front office time um all right, cool, so that'll about do it for us uh for us this week thanks for coming on you guys
1: yeah, thanks this is a lot of fun yeah um yeah,
0: thanks for having- uh i'm gonna i'm gonna throw it over to mike mike uh where where can we find you on the interweb oh you can find find me over at uh, advantage to the pen or
2: on twitter if you want to see weird star wars quotes or
0: random baseball stuff at mike carlucci fantastic andrew where where can we find you on the interweb
1: Bash of the Pen on Twitter. I have a recently changed Twitter handle to not be something super obscure. My Twitter handle is now Andy M. Patrick. Uh, mostly tweeting about the A's and, as previously mentioned, Street Fighter V. Um, hope, hope to be writing more now that uh, my spawn has gotten to an age where I can uh, set her on the ground for a few minutes at a time.
0: Very good. Very good. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at bleeinternets. Uh, follow Banished to the Pen on Twitter at Banished to Pen. Uh, join our Facebook group. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can also find me uh, posting in the Effectively Wild Facebook group. You can find all of us posting in the Effectively Wild Facebook group, honestly, uh, pretty often. And uh, be sure to vote in Wild 4 and uh, check out the team preview series over at Banished dot com. Uh, That'll do it for us today. Ryan Sullivan will be back next week, and uh, we will talk to you then. And until then, be nice to your fellow listeners.